lack of financial education and entrepreneurship education is uh, a plague on our society, especially in the Western world where the opportunity is amazing to become a millionaire at any given time. We stand today. The Business Method with a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their online and location-independent business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we are getting behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build businesses like this. On top of that, we also gather entrepreneurs at events and retreats around the world. This October, we are having our annual event in Thailand. Get shit done live. It's 10 days of high-performance productivity, targeted collaboration, and rapid execution designed for entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done in a little amount of time. Some say it's like 10 months of work in 10 days. There's a magic that happens when brilliant minds come together to push one another towards productive execution. That is exactly what this retreat is about. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That is thebusinessmethod.com. Now, let's jump in today's show. The Business Method. I love insightful entrepreneurs and investors. Some people just understand markets and economics very well, even without a traditional education. Today's guest is one of those people. Lior Gantz, the founder and CEO of Wealth Research Group, joins us today. Wealth Research Group allows readers into the minds of the few that beat the markets consistently. Lior started investing at 16 years old, and he started his first business shortly after that, and now he's built numerous successful businesses. Today on the show, we get into the mind of Lior and how he thinks like an entrepreneur and investor. Lior also talks about cryptocurrency, how he was featuring Ethereum before its value skyrocketed, and of course, we chat a bit on optimizing the location-independent lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, Lior Gantz. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome back to the show. I am excited to introduce Lior Gantz, the founder of Wealth Research Group. How are you today, Lior? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And, and where in the world are you calling in from today? Uh, I'm presently in Tel Aviv. Is that your home base? Um, well, it's... Uh, it's where my most of my family lives, so we spend about two or three months out of the year in, in Israel. Gotcha. And the rest of the year, are you traveling, or are you, do you travel and spend a few months in each location, or are you traveling because of business nonstop? What's your schedule look like? Uh, no, we we travel because we want to, and uh, we work, uh, assuming that uh, there's no problem with um, you know with the Wi-Fi and then. Anything else with regards to infrastructure? We uh, we work uh, remotely of uh, of where the clients are, etc. And we being uh, you and your wife, and do you guys have children? Yeah. How many kids do you guys have? One. 
that I'm aware of. (laughs) Okay, good to know. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the location independent lifestyle here in a bit, but um, I want to get to know you as the entrepreneur that you are, and you have a really interesting background. I I believe your father was an entrepreneur and went through some high times and low times, and then you became an entrepreneur after him and had a lot of success when you were younger. And so I'd just love to give you the mic, Lior, and just kind of get to know the entrepreneur that you are today. So, you know, if, if, if you're already talking about um, uh, my father, I think um, what happened with him is uh, he was, uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur who came to uh, to Israel in 1948. And um, so very early stages uh, in terms of entrepreneurship, uh, a new country is obviously uh, a great place to have uh, an, the entrepreneurial spirit because uh, <clears throat> nothing is established. There's no dominant players. Obviously, some people uh, come from Europe or wherever because this is 1946 or right after the war. They they can come with money or um, something like that, but it's all brand new. So I think in terms of entrepreneurship, this is a this always is one of the best times to be an entrepreneur. And if, if you are in a country that is just getting started or it's just moving out of, uh, for example, communism and opening up to tourism, if I can talk about the, uh, the Far East or um, if you look at Africa, so any, any stable region, those are great pioneering places to, to be involved with. Obviously, it can take you 10, 15 years to really see... Um, uh, the big growth, right? Yeah. But uh, um, obviously, buying a beachfront property in uh, uh, or beachfront land in uh, Thailand 30 years ago is paying off big time right now. So, you know, that's kind of the way I look at how Israel was back then. And um, my my grandfather was an entrepreneur, and then um, I think uh, my dad uh, joined his business and then spun off to his own business. And at some point. Um, <clears throat> when I was about 13, that business went under. So, you know, think of me 13 and uh, sometimes there's just no electricity in the house for like two or three hours because they didn't pay the bill and, and now they, they pay. You. And this goes on for a few months. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, th- something's wrong. And obviously I can't, um, you know, I'm kind of moderated. My dad doesn't want to tell us everything that's right because you know dads mm-hmm. and daughters and sons you know you, you ask somebody what his father does he says i know he goes in the morning comes back in the evening right so uh some kids don't know exactly what their dad does or, or something like that but anyways he was in the in a in the upholstery and furniture business and when that um failed and I'm 13. I'm developing my own, you know, my own needs and and desires and what I want and uh, all that kind of stuff. I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll just have to start working then. But uh, I was about 4'11 mm-hmm. in height, or um, you know, one meter fifty centimeters, so very short. Um, and I thought, what can I do? And in my neighborhood, there was a clothing store, <clears throat> and I decided to 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 go there and and see if he needs any help right very basic work and he, he said he didn't and so i started coming to the store every day for about two hours <laughs> and because it's owner operated 
I went with them every day over the entire uh, store. And this was like an outlet store. So you're talking a big store. And I was just going back and forth with them. This is uh, this is one brand. It comes from here. You know, that it's uh, people, uh, what they think about this brand. I was showing him that I know my stuff. For two weeks, this goes on about two hours a day, every day after school. And uh, one day, this lady comes to, uh, to the store. And I... Um, just being there, I upsell her on some stuff. Just you know, she's asking him things, but I'm I'm replying, and he saw the value in this, so he, he started uh, to have faith in me, and he hired me for four bucks an hour, 1997. <laughs> That's how my asset accumulation phase got started. Uh, but you know, uh, Chris, it, it gave me some confidence, and so I started handing out flyers um, to parents in in my school uh i was in in uh, middle school I, I handed it out in the in the elementary school through my uh um just going there at the end of the day when they carpool everyone and and just saying hey i can be your babysitter etc i'm from the neighborhood and introducing myself so you know talking to that lady in the store gave me confidence to talk with adults uh, uh, you know regardless so uh, starting doing the babysitting in my neighborhood and saving the money, actually saving that money, right? Not spending everything like a like a teenager would. Um, and then I and I, and then I started upselling these parents and saying I can I can also uh, if if it's a boy I told him I can I can tutor him in basketball. And if it was a girl I I didn't have a way to monetize it, so I started. I start. I started uh, to, uh, you know, tutoring. Uh, uh, you know, just playing basketball with the, with uh, the kids. They were, you know, either first grade or second grade, etc. Just starting to to learn the fundamentals. And from 13 to 16, uh, from the ages of 13 to 16, I saved up about 20 grand worth of today's U.S. dollars. Right. Wow. So, yeah. Well, you live at home. You know, you, you have all these. Uh, um, you don't have the obligations that many adults have, right? So you can save up more money if you, if you wish to, right? If you if you save up save it up big time, and I painted decks, etc. Once I got the uh, the my motorbike license at 16, I also started delivering pizzas and sushi and whatever food I can uh, you know I can get my hands on. So, but what happened, Chris, is <clears throat> I started thinking, okay, so I have this you know 20 grand is starting to grow what can i do to grow it further because it's just sitting there in the bank and my grandfather w- introduced me to investing he said okay get get a waiver first of all from your parents so you can manage your account as a minor and then so i did that and and then he gave me two books he gave me one book from peter lynch who was uh, one of the greatest investors of the 80s and he gave me a book about warren buffett so the book about peter lynch that guy was like a, a market wizard, and he basically accumulated uh, wealth at, at a, as a fund manager um, at about a 29% a year uh, annual return. Now, just to give uh, listeners an idea, the S&P 500 returns about 8.5 a year. <laughs> Warren nice. Buffett returns 19.7 throughout his career. So this guy for 13 years returns 29%. Now, if you accumulate that over a 13-year period, every $10,000 becomes a, a huge nest egg. So his investors became um, those that held, right? 
became very uh, uh, very wealthy. So he wrote a few books. One of them, in one of them, he talks about uh, the fact that you need to to uh, to pick stocks in the same way that you you know it's it's simplify the the situation. In other words, stocks are businesses, and if you don't understand the business, don't invest in the stock. And he gives uh, various examples in the book of how he uh, walks. Uh, in the malls with his teenage daughters and and they tell him hey dad that's a good company uh that's a good company not as an investment but as a i like this company it's called dunkin donuts so then he goes and researches it etc so that gave me a lot of confidence that the uh, kids can do better than adults he shows various studies in the book about how kids select stock better than uh, uh than adults um because he talks a lot about the fact that, uh, that investors need to hold on to companies for several years um, in order for investments to um, pen out and not to time themselves in and out. So what's amazing, Chris, is the fund did 29.3% a year for 13 years. The investors in the fund made about 3% a year because they, they panicked out, they went back yeah. in. They panicked out, they went back in. So they try to time his investments while just holding it, doing nothing, was the best thing to do. And as you know, I you know I don't know if you're aware, but in like the 60s and 70s, people used to hold on to stocks for six to seven years, on uh, you know on average. Now it's about six months. So wow. imagine like a like a Coca-Cola shareholder meeting, an annual shareholder meeting. From from the time it, uh, from the time they do the annual meeting to the next one about uh, uh, 300% turnover. So uh, every six months, they have an entire new ownership of the company. It's just insane. So imagine you buying like a laundromat in your neighborhood, and then somebody comes along in six months, takes it takes it over from you, buys it from you, and then somebody comes along six months after. It's, it just doesn't work that way. But because the markets are so liquid, you can just punch in uh, your credentials and go onto your brokerage account and just play with stocks. People play with them instead of understanding how they uh, that these are companies, right? These are businesses, um, and, and that you own a part of them once you own shares. So, anyways, that that um, the Peter Lynch story uh, helped me to understand that I can look for companies for good businesses for good investments because um, you know I can think about what I know. So I knew clothing, and therefore I looked for clothing uh, brands and, and their stocks, and then. Buffett's book showed me how to find not a good business, but a good investment. In other words, um, you know, when you look at a business, it can be a phenomenal business, but it can be also priced as a phenomenal business, and therefore it's not a phenomenal opportunity, if that makes sense. So in other words, uh, you can buy a an amazing house, but overpay for it, and therefore it's not a good investment. Right. So Buffett's book taught me how to to wait until a good business also becomes a good investment. And uh, luckily, <clears throat> I started investing in June of 2000. So three months after the dot-com bubble bursts and stocks become cheap again, I go into the market. Obviously, not knowing this, uh, it happened as a matter of fluke, right? I was 16 and <laughs> uh, it, it just happened. It's great timing. But uh, – yeah, timing was was in my favor. So I started by buying uh, clothing companies and um, and then started, you know, expanding my uh, circle of competence. So it was, I I started learning more, and 
and I asked my grandfather, "Where did you get those books?" He said, "You know, go to the go to the money section or uh, in the bookstore, and you'll see other stuff." So I started reading a lot. Uh, imagine, you know, in high school, instead of uh, being in class and reading the material, I was I was reading investment books uh, for for the majority of the time. Then, you know, when I was home, I would do the the work assignments and everything that has to do with school. So I so you know I, I'd be a student at the same time, but in during school, like for the majority of the day, I'm reading, 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 and then I'm I'm going to the personal development section and the entrepreneurship section, and I'm starting reading uh, a lot of uh, about business as well. So the first time I had a chance to uh, build a business, I said, okay, that's that's the route I'm going. I kind of I kind of uh, figure out by that time that if if you don't have the knowledge. Then in business and in entrepreneurship is risky, but if you do have the right knowledge and invest in yourself, then you you have a better chance um, at, at becoming a, a successful business person. So I wasn't fearful or traumatic about what happened to my father because I sort of analyzed the situation with him to where he just didn't know enough about business to succeed in it. So um, instead of saying okay, business is risky, I said not knowing enough is risky. And so that became part of my ammunition that uh, I, I read a lot and uh, I talk to a lot of people all the time to get their views and opinions. And um, that's sort of the way that I uh, that I built my career. So I, I, uh, I, I always have partners for one. Right. I never go into business alone uh, from day one. I always have partners when I uh, launch a business. And with regards to investing, I love to. Um, look at what other people are doing. For example, what gurus are doing. You know, people that that are able to outperform the index for many, many years on end. I look at what they're buying and what they're selling, and uh, there's always a delay between the time they file and the time that um, uh, that you can see what they bought, right? Because it's it's like a few months uh, uh, before their uh, investments are made public. But these people invest for the long term, so a few months is not that big of a deal. So Part of my strategy is to look at what other people are buying as well um, and, and sort of make sure that uh, I'm not missing out on any big things or f- on the flip side that I'm not uh, losing out on big opportunities. So those are f- a few things that I've learned. So you, you can see, you can kind of see that the way I operate is I look to see also what uh, some of my mentors are doing and I emulate them. I don't try to invent the wheel uh, instead, I try to uh, join an existing wheel of fortune, um, and, and so that's one of my uh, big takeaways from uh, the first 16 years. Uh, I'm sorry, first 18 years of uh, my career because I started at age 16. I'm now 34, um, and 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 that's basically it. About about three years ago, I um, I said, okay, now I start. I want to start paying it forward myself. So in other words, you know, friends, family, other people, uh, wealthy individuals, they they uh, came to me over the years. They they either sought my advice as a friend or as a family, or uh, they they wanted me to to run their money, to manage their money. And what can I do to to make it so that not only my close circle is um, privy to my ideas, but how can I make it um, more uh, appropriate for a bigger crowd uh, because I think lack of financial education 
and entrepreneurship education is uh, a plague on our society, especially in the Western world where the opportunity is amazing to become a millionaire at any given time. So that's where Wealth Research Group, the, the newsletter, the free newsletter, was created in my mind. And, and immediately I, uh, I launched the site. And it's just a way for readers of the newsletter to, to get access to what I'm doing. And may, if it brings them value, then that's, that's the purpose of it. So it combines, um, it combines general information about what's going on, updates on the economy, on the investment world, etc. But it also features my personal uh, portfolio ideas. So it's a very unique newsletter in that way. It's, it's not only generic, but it's also very personalized. Lear, can you give us um, a quick overview on the businesses that you've started over the years besides Wealth Research Group? Sure. Um, so part of the uh, the initial businesses were in the education business. Once I started seeing that, there's a, that parents are willing to pay a large premium for their children's education, uh, I saw it when I was um, you know, tutoring them in basketball and I was able to raise my prices all the time. Um, then I thought this would go well with any sort of education. So one of my businesses was an education business for uh, for schools. Um, you know, started elementary, but then middle school and high school for sure um, were the biggest audience. Uh, I did some importing of um, appliances and all sorts of gadgets that I was able to secure exclusivity for um, in, in certain regions or certain countries. So I, I like to do that. I like to find a product or a service that I can be an exclusive distributor of in a big region. Um, and then um, one, of, one of the, rem- when I started to shift into remotely independent businesses, I went to the uh, to a model, a certain real estate model in, in the United States in 2009. Once the, the crash happened and America became on sale, uh, I launched a real estate business uh, in in certain areas of the United States, and I really saw that I can manage it wherever I was in the world, because I had uh, you know I had teams of people in, on the ground doing the work, creating the initial value, and then I was um, bringing in the um, the negotiation skills, etc., and the closing skills to to make the transactions happen. But as I grew the business and then sold it in 2013, I realized that there's a huge um, opportunity with the internet and with you know just very good um, connectivity to build um, businesses where you can be anywhere and the business operates. I hope that makes sense. But yeah. uh, it, it it all depends. Uh, the success of this all depends on um, really bringing a lot of value. So what you do really has to be. Uh, specialized. You really need to, to make sure that the business that the businesses that you um, build are are specialized, so that uh, competitors that are there don't have any advantage over you while you're not there. Um, so that's one thing. And then secondly, it all depends on the relationships that you're able to build, because other you're an absentee owner. So if if you're not there and you're not overseeing the um, you know the freelancers, the employees, whatever. You really need to make sure that there's a great relationship in place, but also that you compensate them very generously. And in order to do that, uh, it all boils down to 
having a, um, a fat margin business uh, so that there's enough room to compensate people generously. So, uh, and that goes back to being specialized, right? Being indispensable to your to your clients. So, uh, I guess the bottom line is if you can find something that you devote 1,000 hours to in the next year to really specialize at and really understand, that's where the future is in business. Um, the the <clears throat> the less specialized uh, businesses or professions, they're you know slowly but surely going away. They're either getting outsourced to cheap labor countries or um, one person can do the job that four people used to do with technology and software in place or um, you know the, the, the way your wages will get stagnated, which is what's going on in the, in the United States for like 20 years now, where most of the jobs uh, at the low level or mid level are sort of stuck at the same uh, wage level while you know the, the CEOs or the upper, upper management, the people that have skills that don't have to do specifically with the business, they have more to do with leadership get the the lion's share of the compensation from um from management and i think also in the u.s uh, because it's a it's such a well-developed country uh you're going to see a lot of automation coming in robotics etc so it's becoming a very specialized economy chris and you can the best way to, to to see it is hey this guy jeff bezos 18 years ago was just uh no a nobody now he's worth 140 billion dollars and it's because he found a specialized skill that he has he has built uh you know one of the best ever retail businesses uh in the world uh, the, biz- the the biggest and the best uh, uh in many people's eyes right yeah. so and and the profits are disproportionately going to him yeah. so th- this is what i'm talking about when i say specialized now we live in a market system where people are secondary to profit. So in other words, uh, you know, when he has a, a chance to automate an entire warehouse to where, you know, uh, rob robots run the operation with the help of a few people, he does that, right? Because otherwise, other companies would do it and he will lose out and the shareholders would lose out. So we live in, in, in a world where people come after profits so and and we can talk ethics all day right and but at the end of the day if there's two gas stations one on the right side of the road one on the left side the one on the right side says hey we're all americans here we're middle class people this is an american-owned shop uh gasoline at five dollars a gallon and the on the left side it says uh gasoline at two dollars it doesn't say where the people are from or whatever else you're gonna go to the two dollar store because that's that's you know you you're all about profit, so you know that's the market system, and it's creating a situation right now in the U.S. where many people are 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 getting displaced, are getting to a point where they're you know in in, in their forties or fifties and they need to be retrained from scratch for a whole other profession, which is very hard, um, and uh if if they can't do that or if they stay stuck at a low income job they're not going to be able to retire they're going to be uh, needing to liquidate assets if they have any and it's a very very um unique time for the United States 
which is trying to reinvent itself after the uh, middle class miracle um, that started after World War II and went on for about 30 years, uh, it's now unwinding, right? The, the middle class jobs that, that brought America, America's family's prosperity are scattered now throughout the globe. Yeah. You know, you know Detroit is, is now not in Detroit. <laughs> and steel is not is no longer in Cleveland and in, in Pittsburgh and textiles are no longer in North Carolina you know what I mean so it's uh, it's scattered now and America is trying to reinvent itself but it's get it's getting more specialized it's going for tech and and so many of the people that are not tech oriented or don't have access to tuition which is very expensive they they need to find out what you know, it's it's a it's not only uh, they that need to find out. It's the government also needs to um, think about what it what it is doing or not doing uh, to to speed up this wealth gap that's being created in, in the United States. Because um, when they intervene in tuition, when they insure tuitions or, or student loans, they're actually jacking up the price mm-hmm. of tuition. Um, so, Chris, in in, in uh, in a free market society, there, there's just no way that universities would be that expensive because on the flip side, it means that a lot of companies are now having to scramble to get to get skilled labor, which is what's going on. A lot of companies are not find, finding uh, you know, people that have the right skills for them. Why, why is that? Because the people that can be trained to have the skills cannot afford the the tuition so uh, this is a, a big um a big theme that's that is going on right now and obviously those who are paying large tuitions they're stuck with huge um student le- debt loan which is detrimental for the housing markets because those people cannot apply for mortgages that easily because they're already drowning in debt so it 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 uh it puts us uh, it put break it puts break on the real estate market and construction and all the multiplier of the construction market, etc. So the United States is going through a, a, a big challenge here, but the challenge is where also the opportunity lies right. uh, uh, for people who are able to solve all of these problems. Many problems for the banking system. Whoever is able to solve them is going to be wealthy. Many problems for the elderly. Whoever is going to solve them will be wealthy. Many problems for the millennials. Whoever solves them will be wealthy. And as the millennials start getting into the workforce and having more money, whoever figure out, figures out what they want, like Netflix did, will make a lot of money. So uh, huge opportunities in, in the changing climate uh, in the United States. Absolutely. Totally believe that. Lior, I know you have a unique perspective and in, in insight on cryptocurrency, and that's probably in alignment with what we're talking about here. And I also know that you were one of the first to to discover discover or preview feature, Ethereum. Yeah. Feature Ethereum, yeah. yeah. Back in, in 2017 when it was still really cheap. 
And mm-hmm. I, I just like to know like your thoughts on crypto because a lot of our listeners are um, traveling entrepreneurs and they really love the idea of crypto and believe in it. And and then there's a lot of uh, listeners also that are still home based entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs that um, this is still a new new world for them. So could you could you give your perspective on crypto yeah, and definitely. where do you think it's headed? Sure. Now, if if obviously in a in a short conversation like this, you can't cover such a broad uh, subject. But if you go to the Wealth Research Group site, on the top menu, you'll be able to click on Special Reports, where you'll find a library of PDF reports for downloads. Many of them have to do with cryptocurrency, and you can take a look at, uh, for example, wealthresearchgroup.com forward slash top five, like top in the number five, which talks about some of the coins that we like for 2018. Um, and, uh, you know, there's various things that we uh, we talk about on an ongoing basis on the newsletter um, to give you an idea of the big picture. So, yeah, in, in March of 2017, when Ethereum was 12 bucks a coin, we featured it. I believe we were the first newsletter in the world to feature it. And obviously, seven months later, it was already above a thousand dollars. So, yeah. um, you know, subscribers that took action, you know, they they made 90 times their money, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, 2017 will not repeat itself. So that was the breakout year. And everything, all, all you know, the, the, the rising tide lift, lifts all boats in that situation. And just any project got funded and got ex- people got excited about it. It was certainly similar to what we saw in the dot-com bubble where people just excited about the space. Any idea looked amazing and uh, people were willing to fund everything, everything and anything. And now, you know, uh, people have come back to earth and they don't think that, hey, blockchain is a solution to everything in the world and uh, Bitcoin is a solution to everything in the world, etc. So the trading fortunes of 2017 are gone and they're not going to return um certainly not soon if ever so a mania as we saw i don't believe will come back um in a major way for a very long time what i think will happen is the the entire space the entire sector is basically right now what's holding it back most of all is some regulatory framework so once governments decide how they want to tackle it and it becomes much more um legitimate i think big money funds will start looking at at um the projects now the word cryptocurrency chris is very misleading because out of whatever uh, 1800 um tokens coins whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. that operate on some sort of a blockchain um only only about five or six of them are actually trying to be currencies they're they're you know they're 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 designed to be a medium of exchange right uh, most of them they're deci- they're they're unregulated forms of of ownership in a project that's all they are yeah it's a way to raise money for entrepreneurs in an unregulated market uh, with less cost involved, because obviously, if you want to IPO a company, that uh, that costs a few, several million dollars and, and et cetera. So, um, for many people, it's it's just a way to jumpstart a company or a project. 
And what I think people need to understand, investors need to understand is, one, you're taking a huge risk with the regulatory framework. So you need to figure that out. Taxes are the same thing. Um, so until governments figure out the taxes side of it and how they want to deem the, these currencies as securities, commodities, currency, etc. Um, but the value is similar to how you would look at startup companies. Um, you would just simply look at what what they're trying to do. So the big picture, the, the, the blue sky potential for this project. But then you really need to take a close look at the management team, at the leadership, because that will ultimately determine whether or not this company will be able to survive the first three, four years uh, where most of the uh, risk is external uh, to the company. So uh, even a recession in the general economy can be detrimental to a project it, and it has nothing to do with it, right? Yeah. Management is what is going to be able to um, put a company through the the early stages and make sure that the company survives it and then is in a position to thrive going forward. So I think the focus is with the management teams. Now, obviously, we're excluding Bitcoin, which doesn't have a management team. It ha- it's, it's, and it's not... Uh, it's a protocol. It's a technology. It's something else altogether. So I think a um, a position in Bitcoin is different than taking a position on any of the other projects, which have like a, a you know a, a, some sort of a governance system, an hierarchy. Um, so that's important to understand. Now, whether or not to get excited about it as the future is um, important to understand. This with the fiat monetary system, which we currently operate on, uh, which governments and central banks and the banking system has the license for, and it's a, it's a monopolized system, basically. Um, it's built on, on credit. So in other words, there's lending, and you, you're able to leverage. With the cryptocurrencies, it's it's a medium of exchange. It's not a, You can't leverage them, right? You can't borrow against them um, for now. So they're not fractional. Uh, as dollars are, right? Right. So um, people need to understand that when they invest in these uh, or when they own these currencies, these currencies are um, the same as owning any other um, technologically easy, bartable uh, medium of exchange. In other words, they, they're not ways of getting rich, by owning them, you cannot become rich. Um, they're medium of, of exchange. But there are uh, abs and flows where people are afraid, for, for instance, of a currency crisis, and you might see an exodus out of the fiat monetary system and into gold, silver, or cryptocurrency. So that's, uh, that's sort of a speculation on when you can see an upsurge in price. But overall... Um, a medium exchange is supposed to be stable, so you want it to be stable. If you're looking to to uh, make a lot of money, you need to think which coins are not medium of exchange, which coins just represent a fractional ownership or partial ownership of a business, same as, as a stock is, and, and figure out which companies can have a very uh, robust future. So, and those are the altcoins, right? The altcoins... Uh, they, they they are essentially um, startup companies. So that's sort of where my mindset is. 
um, with cryptocurrencies, which is a misleading word, <laughs> and with this entire space. Now, I think blockchain technology itself is going to be used in many various industries. And the way to invest in blockchain technology is uh, either indirectly or directly. Indirectly, look at companies that are looking to use blockchain technology in order to save costs, etc., and see if, if that will help their competitive advantage over their uh, peers. Um, or on the flip side, look at companies that are working to create innovation in the blockchain technology uh, space and um, you can invest in them. So uh, people just need to, investors just need to understand that blockchain technology is, uh, <clears throat> it's a technology that, that is not put into question here. Uh, there's no question whether or not it's regulated or not regulated this is not the same as cryptocurrency it's very different right, right. cryptocurrency is just one uh, it's just one thing that you can do on a blockchain but the blockchain itself is is just simply a, a better database system than some of the existing ones and many companies will use them in order to save costs get more automated more streamlined etc so you can either look at companies that are doing software in this space and are creating solutions which they're going to either sell or license out, and that's a great business model, or look at companies that are indirectly using blockchain to their advantage, which is uh, creating a, uh, a better company for them. Lior, I have a lot more questions that I could ask you, but uh, for time, we're going to have to wind it down a bit. Um, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners about Wealth Research Group before we sign off today? Um, well, I would say this. The the newsletter, the free newsletter, is uh, for people who understand that there's a big, big problem um, in today's world where the um, the fixed income earners, people that are on wages, are losing out to people that have assets and businesses, and you really need to find a way to move from this side to that side, and once you're on that side, you really need to know what you're doing. So the, the newsletter is, is for people who are interested in investments most of all because that's what um, the newsletter revolves around. And um, we are going to feature new opportunities in the next several weeks here as we go down uh, and finish Q4 2018. Our newsletter is mostly focused this year on the cannabis space and because it had huge winners for us this year. Um, and I think it will continue to um, to offer some of the best upside for investments in 2018. Incredible. And uh, we'll put the links in the show notes for anybody that wants to check the, those out. Leora, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all your tips and tricks and all your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. And we're going to sign off there. And listeners, thank you guys for joining us once again. And we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our annual Get Shit Done live retreat in Thailand. Both are designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done rapidly and whether you need some personal coaching while working away at home or a retreat in Thailand where you can get out of your normal routine and surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs, we have those options for you. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.